Cargo Cult is a production of Radio Nemo West. Cargo Cult is all about the movies, books, music, and moments that help shape the lifestyle of not only the trucking industry, but also the American obsession with being on the move. What if something just like jumps out in front of you and you have to stop? Don't. What was that? A Mazda. Host Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn engage in a wild, free-form discussion with folks from both the transportation and entertainment worlds. I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a show that's all about the journey. So far, we're doing fine. Hadn't got caught. And now your hosts, Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn. The Rubber Duck, Cottonmouth, Love Machine, a.k.a. Pigpen, Widow Woman, and Spider Mike. These are the names that you will find in the one, the only, Convoy. Talking about Convoy means we have to talk about another movie that we haven't had a chance to talk about um, and we'll probably actually dive into deeply again as one of probably my choices here on Cargo Cult. Hey, Justin Wellborn. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, Cargo Cult, of course, is a celebration of the movies, moments, music that actually made the trucking industry and also made that great American urge for adventure kind of come alive on the silver screen. The getaway is what I've been thinking about. Oh, so good. Another Steve McQueen. just Steve woo, McQueen, Alan, Alan McGraw, McGraw, and directed right. by Sam Peckinpah. There it is. And there it is. And a great movie. And a great you movie. Know, and a like, great movie. So much so that actually Kim Baskinger and uh, Alec Baldwin made a desperate attempt to remake it. It's not bad. Roger Spotswater directed it, I think. But it's not quite the getaway. And I got to tell you, there's a moment in the getaway where I've never seen chemistry between a male and female actor in an action scene so great when he goes, punch it, baby, punch it. And it's a quick <laughs> jump cut to him telling her that, and she right. gasolines that car up. Yeah. And this I, is also the movie they fell in love and she left her husband, right? Yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think what's important about this movie as well, too, is that it gives you a better insight into what Peck and Paul was hoping for sure, and what actually goes wrong with Convoy. All right. Justin brought this up. I'm going to bring this up too. We love this movie. Yeah. I love this movie, but it's like, I love this movie. We had a great time watching it together. I love this movie in the way that I have exes that I absolutely love and love me who I would never have married if you had paid me money to do so. Yeah, they're just personalities that you can be like, wow, you are that person, but if I never see you again. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> that we just do not mix, man. We are oil and vinegar. Have you, You've seen The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner, right? Of course. So Lawrence Kasdan, when he wrote that movie, he wrote that movie in the 70s. The script actually was written before The Big Chill, before he wrote uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back, before he wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, before he wrote any of that. And he wrote it originally to be a Steve McC- queen movie if you watch the way the con so we've talked about the idea we'll we'll get to big trouble in little china eventually uh remember i made the joke that basically jack burton is an impersonation of john wayne it's kurt russell playing john wayne go back and watch the bodyguard with whitney houston and kevin costner costner's playing steve mcqueen right down to the haircut and you say it and you go oh my god you're right hmm. i think what happens is that pack and paw desperate for money desperate for a chance to get a breakout hit, desperate for a chance to reset his career, thought I will simply create a cinematic seance. I will summon the spirit of the getaway. I'll bring the things around me and what I've pulled off before. I'll pull off again. And I'll 
get away with it. <laughs> and this is where movies are so different than plays. Plays require that the structure, a theater experience requires the structure of the play itself to be a tightly wound clock. You can get away as Smokey and the Bandit does with a half-conceived script and somehow fight your way to Georgia. You can do it. Sure. I think if you go back and you watch this movie and put McQueen in the lead, and I love Christopherson Lee, I'm, I'm not saying we should play, but if you go back and you put McQueen in the lead, it allows the audience to make a jump the first time, because we open up with Allie McGraw in her car, essentially getting terrorized. But also flirting. Flirting It's with. back and forth between like this giant truck and this little uh, convertible that she's Sports driving. Car. And it's kind of, you know, he's looking at, he's not wearing a shirt in most of this movie, uh, which I don't think that Chris Christopherson really liked wearing a shirt during probably most of As the vigilante for And he Bruce. looks great. He looks great. He looks, I mean, like, I great, mean, like, like not, wow. Not great by those standards, great by today. Oh, I mean, yeah, like, he man. Is, I mean, he's in it, but also like. Put on a shirt, Chris. Put on a shirt. Put on Chris. a shirt. <laughs> so, but I really think if you watch the beginning of this movie and you put Steve McQueen in that truck, that I think that Peckinpah, the, the the way the thing is conceived of, is that it's conceived as if instant chemistry. They don't have instant chemistry. They get it eventually. Right. But they don't yeah, have yeah, yeah, instant yeah. chemistry. Their chemistry is not good in this movie. Well, this is a problem overall because uh, Ally McGraw doesn't seem to know what she's doing in the movie. The script and the movie itself doesn't seem to know, know what to do with her. They put her in this really weird wig. Uh, you know, she Is it a wig or is it a perm? <sighs> I think God, it's a perm. I don't know, it's man. It's so close to the scalp, dude. It's so close to the scalp. I think okay. it's a perm. Um, you but call it's not it a perm, right. I'm going to think a wig because it just looks like bad hair to me. It's and, bad hair. And she, dealing with this movie, was having such stress because, I mean, there must have been, what, 25, 30 pages of actual dialogue script, which Sam is just like, forget about it, improv it, ad-lib, just bring it. And you can see some really interesting ad-libbing and improv in it, and then other times it just absolutely falls on the floor. Allie was having such a bad time that she was dealing with things with drugs, alcohol. She got this horrible fever blister that they end up like cutting her out of parts of the movie because her face was all screwed up, you know, for, for the camera. After this movie, she sobers up. She had such a hard time making this movie and so stressful that she, she got sober. Can't say that for Sam. But definitely Sam was the thing that set her off and how stressful it was. So I, I think the lack of chemistry and things is, is a very personal issue, too. You know, even between Alan McGraw and, and Chris Christopherson having that kind of back and forth. Well, we should like one another. We shouldn't. They, they just don't have the thing that sparks. And it's weird because you know? Christopherson. But I think that's from a real place. Yeah. And not, not just the problem with the movie. Yeah. Christopherson is known around Hollywood circles as one of the most get-along, go-along guys in the industry, that nobody ever talks about their bad experience with Chris Christopherson. And I... He's a solid guy. Wasn't he? He was a captain in the Army, right? He's a West Point graduate. He's yeah, also a road scholar and a helicopter pilot yeah, and gold glove boxer. Solid guy. He's a brilliant right? man. And, 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 as well as an amazing musician. <laughs> and, and, and one of the greatest songwriters of the second half of the 20th century. I mean, and I might be in like distant country western. I mean, basically, think about it. Janis Joplin has no career without the presence of Chris Christopherson. And had she been more inclined to be with him than other people, she might have actually saved her soul and she, saved her she, life. She might have made it out alive. She might have made it out of life. Um, Chris Christopherson is one of the greatest talents of the last hundred years. And I don't think he gets the, the credit because he is a genuine American 
Renaissance man. So whatever lack of chemistry they have isn't about the two of them not liking one another. It's totally. just it just it happens. That's the thing about the movies, guys. Anybody who wants to understand that you can have people who just dig each other completely and don't have a lick of chemistry, and that there are people, Justin can tell you, where you lose a role because you are auditioned against the lead, and they're like, "You're terrific," and the lead's terrific, and we like everybody. It just doesn't it just work. Just doesn't spark and, on you, screen. And the thing is, the big controversy right now about Amber Heard and the Johnny Depp thing, which was when they brought them into the testimony, he's trying to explain about chemistry, where he explains that she was not, her role was not downgraded in the Aquaman movie for any political reason. They do a really kind of masterful job of explaining how you can edit chemistry into a movie, but at some point it's got to be there. Sure. You know, and and sure, I bring sure, that sure. up only as a way because it's the example that most people are familiar with right now. Don't want to get into any of that, <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying? The idea that it's like it's got. I mean, that's why if you notice, Jason, I mean, I think Sam wanted to bring Steve McQueen and Ally McGraw back together because that's what worked before. Well, that's so a, we'll just throw seance. that on. It's yeah, man. We'll, we'll, we'll summon the movie we'll summon that the I did before, and we'll then all the of spirit. a sudden it'll all work. But the problem was the Getaway has a really great screenplay, which is basically it's a heist gone wrong with a double cross in the middle of it, then with the heist gone right with them double crossing the double crossers game seven i just described the plot of the getaway see how simple it was here's the problem chris christopherson encounters a nice lady on the road he's then caught in an entrapment scheme by that's ernest a, borgnine that sets sheriff. off a series of events at a diner where a man who has done nothing wrong is attempted to be arrested on the eve of his wife giving birth to a baby it sets off a fight in a ballroom where a group of truckers then have to escape they all get together in a convoy other people in the neighboring state of new mexico hear about it they join that convoy a series of road blocks are put together, but Christofferson actually is driving a hazmat truck. That hazmat truck, of course, uh, makes it impossible for them to like shoot him down or blow him up, which gets thrown out of the window in the last part of the movie, by <laughs> the way. Completely. You see where I'm going here? And I haven't even oh. touched on the political the political aspect to it. Or the um, racial aspect The racial aspect right. to it. Uh, the fact that um, as the movie goes on, it can't figure out what to do with the character of the sheriff, given the fact that Borgnine, an Academy Award winner himself, is Who was in his Wild Bunch? In his Wild Bunch, who has a great killer smile and we can believe both as a villain as a hero the movie can't figure out whether he and rubber duck are actually two sides of the same coin sure or whether he's right. a genuine antagonist they can't figure out any of this stuff and it's one of those things that peck and paul rushed to make some money and cash in on the trucking industry had no time to really workshop a script not that he would have cared if he didn't and now you know everything you need to know about the plot of convoy except Ooh. We haven't even talked about the great character, another squandered character in the same way they couldn't figure out what to do with the sheriff. They can't figure out what to do with the governor of New Mexico. Uh, played who, by Seymour Cassell. Who also is great in The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Uh, just a great I mean, actor. Amazing character actor, but also it really seems like he's not given much script. He's given the the character and then just just go because this convoy, all of a sudden they start perceiving the politicians begin conceiving that oh, this is a political movement. How can we utilize it? How, how can we take advantage of this working man's? you know, movement and, and make it ours. But it's so darkly cynical too. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not standing up for politicians here, but there is an energy between both rubber duck and the governor that has a feel of what I call the Robert Kennedy Cesar Chavez feel that sense of, you know, the political activist and the mainstream, but important, um, edgy politician hmm. kind of unifying forces. And unlike a movie, say like Michael Ritchie's, the candidate speaking of Robert Redford, which is 
just a terrific film where we understand that you can have the best of intentions and also be constrained by the system in which you exist in. And there is something about this movie that is lurching towards, but never quite gets there. The idea of being constrained by a system that has to exist in order to allow society to function, but at the same time, it becoming almost suffocating in its energy. The idea that early on in the movie, Christofferson says, you know, I'm not a teamster. You know, I'm independent. And haven't you heard they're going to make your they're going to make the police teamsters as well, at which he responds. I'm never going to join your stinking union. He says, you forget, Lyle, I'm independent. That's one of the right, one right, thing right, we right. have in common. And then Christofferson's response is, no, we got two things in common. There are not many of us left. <laughs> and, and and should be three because he's screwing his wife. Yeah, too. and then so. and then well, well, I don't think Borgnon is screwing his wife though. No, then, no, 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 no. That uh, Chris Christopher Robert Duck is definitely no, giving, it I, to, no, giving it to Cottonmouth's wife, uh, man. But that, um, that is clear. But what I think is interesting is that there's something. There's another movie in there that doesn't really kind of get addressed because of the basic kind of fun and games of the plot of like we're going to outsmart the law. I mean, this is put forth as a road action comedy. But there are times where I'm like, this is drama. This is absolute, like, it's not brave enough in that way to jump into something that I think is really actually uh, uh, conceiving the political. I'm going you know, to correct it's not you. touching it. I, I think you use the word brave. I don't think so. I think it's not disciplined enough. I well, think it can't. That's figure, fair too. I, I understand what you mean. I, I think it can't figure out what the hell it is, and I think it's rushed. I think it's seventy-eight, and there's about a year or so left of this kind of nonsense. There is a great, uh, a really great review here that says Convoy is a bad joke that backfires on the director. He has neither the guts to play the movie straight as melodrama, which is what I was kind of saying, nor the sense of humor to turn it into a kind of Smokey and the Bandit comedy. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing, but I, I, I don't know if it's guts because, and I think that's a shot at Peck and Paul because anybody, sure it is. by the way, anybody knows if, if you've seen the posters for Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, there are two posters. One, there's the traditional poster of the hand clutching the, um, the scapula. Sure. But the other one is it's all words. It was taken out in the New York Times and all the big trade publications where it, the whole ad is one big page, splash page with the word guts. Only Sam Peckinpah <laughs> has the guts to make a movie like Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. And it's this long kind sure. of explanation about how Sam Peckinpah is the only guy. Straw Dogs, Wild Bunch, sure. Cross Eye. Again, with that Hemingway-esque, the, the you know, guts. just he's the one that can do it. And, so that's definitely a dig at him. And, and that's a definitely a dig at him. But I don't think it's a matter of guts. I think it's a matter of being too addle brain on lewds, cocaine, sure. and booze. I mean, at times really he gave his, his camera B. Oh, oh, you know, just just do it. When Sam was, quote unquote, sick that day or whatever, because this movie ran over budget, over time, all of those things. I mean, he would just give his B camera or, or I go direct them. And they didn't have a script. There were times where they're just like, uh, uh, make it real, make it real. And, and they that's keep a just, horrible note for an actor, And look, man. And look, I get, you know, we talk about the idea of not being able always to predict plot, but they keep changing the destination. Where are we going? But they don't even make those clear. Like, I mean, like, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, not yeah. really At clear. At first, Chris Christopherson even says, like, where are we going? I don't know. We're I mean, just moving. But but we're just on the road. But but I mean, even like what I call signposting doesn't happen in this movie, where after the fight in the bar, they sh you know, basically what should happen if you cleaned up the script is that the moment they all get the fine, when they have to pay the bribe, is right. to say, I tell you what, guys, 
I make a little more money than the rest of you. I know this really hurts you. That we could literally have Burt Young's character, Pigpen, go. Let me, let me, let me get us all lunch. Let's head over to the diner. <laughs> That's all you got to sure, say. Sure, sure, sure. And then when right, it's right. at the diner after the fight, to be like, you know what? We got to get out of this jurisdiction right now. Let's head to New Mexico. And the moment they get to New Mexico, this ain't going to work. Let's all go to Mexico. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second, by the way. But but even that kind of signposting means that they were literally making this up as they were going along yeah. and not getting the coverage shots in there to figure out what the plot was because the objective keeps changing. And in the middle of all of that, they stop at this area where they're given space. And by the way- By the, by the governor. He, he gives them shower space. And you know they've been joined by this time by quadruple the numbers that the they started focus, out with. The focus of the arrival of the governor into the plot really begins to make us actually begin to care and pay attention. It goes from being kind of a, look at these zany guys handcuffing Lyle to the bar, la, la, la. And then it turns into like, what can we do for you? What can you do for for, me? Yeah, the governor wants to do that for you. I mean, it's a great moment when the governor's people show up and ride alongside the convoy. And by the way, the guy filming you know when they, because Russ watched it the other night, so they get they get alongside of him and they're filming. The guy <laughs> behind the camera with the bandana is Sam Frickin Peckinpah, and if you look at him, he's fifty three years old. And as Justin said, he looks all of every day of seventy three. Sam, it is brutal. And they're definitely, I mean. <sighs> There's one thing if an accident happens and there there totally are like when Leonardo DiCaprio hurts his hand in Django, you know, that that's in the movie. We we kept that. I I have shots in movies where you're like that was a happy accident. Um at, at the very beginning of the convoy, they are cruising through a town at dangerous speeds and Spider-Woman's truck Jackknot tips over and and smashes into several cars. That actually happened. That was the real. The stuntman lost control of the truck. It tipped over. And then at that point, they were like, yeah, th- uh, you know, throw Madge into another truck. So she's at least still in the movie. That wasn't supposed to be there. And they, they're just rolling with what they got. Okay, well, that's a real, we got a free stunt, <laughs> which was actually just an accident. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's one of those things, too, but they don't, they don't address with it. They don't it's, talk about it anymore. They than don't just put, the put her in the other truck. It's a problem. It. I mean, but it's a problem plot wise. I mean, it's like they she just leaves her 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 property, her own truck. Uh, you know, just just laying there. We got to get away. Yeah, I mean, and, and those kind of things come up throughout the entire movie where they have these loose ends. That I mean, yeah, look, zero responsibility. By the way, Love Machine Pigpen has a load of pigs in the back of his his truck. It's never addressed what happened to those poor animals. They I mean, never unloaded. And, and all you had to do was something interesting. Wait, with them, wait. Li- you know? oh, oh, oh. Thanks for listening to a preview of this episode of Cargo Cult. Like what you heard? Hear more from Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn exclusively on the SiriusXM app. Subscribe today at SiriusXM.com.